Chapter Sixteen of the Spider by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Sixteen: The Search. While Vernon desperately tried to wrench open the front door, Towton, with the quick foresight of an old soldier, ran back into the drawing room and lifted the window sash in less than two minutes he was outside and hastened to release his companion luckily in his hurry hest had been unable to extract the key from the lock so a swift turn of the wrist soon removed the barrier vernon and the colonel set off hot-footed in pursuit of the fugitives and as they plunged into the fog caught a glimpse of gail and his wife hurrying into the hall with scared faces doubtless attracted by the ominous sound of the pistol-shot but there was no time to explain as every moment was of value and the two men put their hearts into the chase the sudden autumnal fog which had so unexpectedly descended had turned the atmosphere to thick wool so that it was difficult to breathe let alone to see on all sides the gloomy mists shut in the prospect and after racing vaguely for some minutes down the silent road the pursuers halted by mutual consent to listen for possible flying footsteps not a sound struck on their ears it might have been the middle of the night so dense was the darkness and so silent the whole neighbourhood they could not tell in which direction the two scoundrels had fled and on the face of it pursuit was absolutely useless we might make for the railway station suggested the colonel they may have gone there vernon shook his head i doubt it maunders is too cunning and hest too desperate to think of taking the train to waterloo but in any case i'll send a wire to the station-master asking him to detain them maunders can be recognized from having no hat there are many men who wear no hat nowadays said towton dismally it is not a distinguishing mark worth much but how the dickens are we to find a telegraph office in this fog vernon looked around and noted a weak flare of light illuminating the darkness followed by his companion he walked towards it and found that it came from the windows of a grocer's shop at the corner of the road entering quickly he asked for the nearest telegraph office and learned to his great satisfaction that it was at the chemist's two or three doors down the worthy grocer looked somewhat alarmed at the entrance of two gentlemen without hats for in their haste vernon and his friend had forgotten to take them but they gave the tradesmen no time to ask questions and by closely skirting the shops round the corner managed to find that of the chemist here vernon sent a wire to the station-master at waterloo instructing him to detain two men one dark and one fair without a hat who might possibly arrive by an early train he added a meagre description of their dress so that the telegram proved to be somewhat lengthy but i fear it is useless said vernon as they left the shop and had handed the wire to the startled chemist they won't take the train i'm certain and even if they do my description is not clear enough unless the waterloo station-master happens to be singularly intelligent we can but hope for the best and we have done all we can said towton in a decided tone what's to be done now we must return to siddons villa both to get our hats and see gale how are we to retrace our steps in this fog hatterby road is just round the corner and by keeping to the railings of the gardens we are bound to find the house 
it was as vernon said they had raced in a straight line down to the grocer's shop at the corner and had not left petterby road until they went to the telegraph office on recovering the bearings of the first shop they carefully felt their way up the road reading on every gate the designation of each house in this way after some ten or twelve minutes had elapsed they managed to strike siddons villa and again found themselves at the front door it was closed and also was the window i hope gail has not run away also said vernon ringing the bell do you suspect he has anything to do with the business who knows on the face of it he looks innocent and maunders certainly swore that the old man was ignorant but maunders is a liar and here the door was cautiously opened and the white face of professor gale became visible who is there he asked in a trembling voice mr vernon and colonel towton said the latter gentleman we have returned to get our hats and to explain you won't fire any more pistols my wife is almost fainting and i don't like this sort of business what does it open the door open the door cried the colonel testily you shall have a full explanation mr gale seemed reluctant as he apparently took them for robbers and dangerous rogues so vernon losing patience forced the door back and the old actor along with it they faced the professor in the hall and saw that he was holding an old-fashioned blunderbuss probably a stage property used in the miller and his men and other out-of-date plays in the distance and sheltering herself behind her husband was mrs gale grasping a poker in her trembling hand the pair seemed to be thoroughly frightened and considering the circumstances it was small wonder that they were i have sent maria for a policeman quavered mrs gale and both my husband and myself are armed i hope maria doesn't lose herself in the fog said vernon good-humouredly and in spite of his vexation at the escape of the spider and his jackal in heaven's name what does it mean demanded the professor somewhat recovering his dignity come into the drawing-room and we will explain said towton with some impatience for he had small leniency for cowardice there's nothing to be afraid of mr vernon and i are honest men you have got rid of the villains the villains shrieked mrs gale trembling violently and dropping the poker maunders and hest said vernon carelessly come in he preceded his friend and the gales into the drawing-room quite certain from the way in which they had behaved that they knew nothing of the wicked doings of hest and maunders when the door was closed and every one was seated vernon proceeded to examine the actor and actress the situation as professor gale said afterwards was highly dramatic you must answer my questions frankly said vernon addressing the couple if you do not the police may interfere the police shrieked mrs gale turning as white as chalk the professor silenced her with a gesture and spoke to vernon with great dignity young man he said striving to keep his voice from trembling i pay my rates and taxes my bills to my tradesmen and my rent for our home under these circumstances i cannot see why you should talk of the police i speak of them in connection with what has taken place and you may well do so young man to fire a pistol in a private house that was an accident vernon hastened to explain my revolver went off when mr hest assaulted me why should mr hest assault you demanded mrs gale much astonished that's a long story tell me vernon turned towards the professor while towton held his peace and nursed his hat what do you know of maunders 
know of him said the amazed gail looking thoroughly puzzled i know no more than that he is a friend of mr hest's who called last night and who was requested by mr hest and not by me to stay the night i have never set eyes on him before did miss hest ever mention him yes she did broke in mrs gail who was listening intently she told me that he was a friend of hers in love with miss dimsdale and mentioned that he was the only man she had ever seen handsome enough to play romeo as a romeo should be played professor gale nodded his head graciously i agree with miss hest there he said gravely mr maunders is indeed handsome but she never told us anything about him mr vernon save what my wife has related and mr hest what do you know of him nothing more than that he is the brother of my talented pupil he came with the message from his sister who is at her ancestral halls in yorkshire to the effect that she would return in a month or perchance earlier to fulfil certain engagements which i have procured her i invited him to stay here during his stay in town why did you asked the colonel speaking for the first time gail looked embarrassed but mrs gail spoke for him mr hest we know is very rich she said frankly and both my husband and myself wish to have a theatre of our own we thought that if we showed him some hospitality he might finance us i must say she added looking puzzled that i wondered that such a rich man was content to accept our humble lodgings instead of going to a swell hotel but he seems to be easily pleased it was not that hetty said the professor quickly mr hest simply remained here so that he could persuade me to induce my talented pupil to give up reciting as he dreaded lest she should go on the stage and she ought to be an actress in my humble opinion for her capabilities are of a very high order as lady macbeth or in any of sardou's characters such as la tosca fedora and the rest she would produce a sensation the speech of both man and wife seemed frank enough and they appeared to be a couple of simple people devoted to their profession and quite ignorant of evil vernon glanced at towton and saw from the expression of the colonel's face that he thoroughly believed them still so as to be quite sure of his ground he asked another question miss hest as a reciter or as an actress may be all that can be desired but do you and mrs gale like her personally do you think she is what we call well er straight yes cried the woman forcibly miss hest is one in a thousand she is a kind-hearted lady who sympathizes with those who struggle hetty is quite right said the professor with dignity many a time has miss hest assisted us when tradespeople have worried i am sure that she would have persuaded her brother to enable us to enter into management in the long run as she has every confidence in my capabilities and in mine said mrs gale jealously she said that my amelia in otello was the best performance she had ever seen but now gentlemen the actress rose to give effect to her words may i inquire why you ask these questions and why you come here to fire pistols in a peaceful home at the beginning it had been in vernon's mind to tell the whole story right out and to tax the couple with complicity but they really seemed to be entirely ignorant of hest's true character and evidently had only lately met maunders he therefore did not think it wise to reveal what he and the colonel knew lest the gales should gossip about the matter 
and until he had consulted drench the young man did not desire that this last unusual affair should become public he therefore shot a warning glance at the colonel and answered cautiously it is only a private matter mrs gail which is not worth explaining the pistol-shot was an accident but you said that mr maunders and mr hest were villains she persisted ah i spoke somewhat harshly being a trifle excited they have treated me and my friend here very badly and we came for redress how their consciences smote them you can judge from the fact of their flight you will possibly never see them again but if they do chance to return you must wire to me at once to the athenian club pall mall i don't like these hints and suggestions of evil sir said gail restlessly and certainly i should never think of telegraphing to you unless mr maunders and mr hest give me the leave and why sir should they not return don't seek to know any more mr gail but do as you're told said vernon in a peremptory tone and also it will be wise if you and your wife hold your tongues over what has happened and stop the servant from talking suppose we don't demanded mrs gail aggressively in that case you will get into trouble how dare you how dare see here colonel towton rose angrily we have reason to believe that these men are connected with the spider mrs gail shrieked and the professor turned pale both knew that terrible name which was so freely mentioned in the papers do you mean to say we say nothing said vernon sharply and my friend here has perhaps said too much but it is as well that you should know the necessity of keeping silent tongues in your heads we know nothing of these matters cannot be expected to i am quite aware that you are innocent of complicity interrupted towton but you both must promise to be silent until you have leave to speak and if not already i have told you that the police will interfere observed vernon coldly this business is concerned with the spider so for your own sakes hold your confounded tongues the gales however were not so easily commanded they wished to know how hest and maunders were connected with the spider and if they were in any way accused of being as they termed it in the know but the arguments and commands of towton together with those of vernon gradually induced the worthy couple to listen to reason in fact at the end of half an hour both were thoroughly terrified into thinking that their reputation might be ruined were it known that men connected with the spider had been under their roof either gail nor his wife were averse to being mentioned in the papers or to securing an advertisement so as to add to their theatrical fame but the publicity likely to be procured from the late episode was not the sort they desired they therefore finally agreed to keep silence about the strange interview and the flight of their guests and also declared that they would make maria hold her tongue nevertheless their curiosity remained unabated and vernon had to promise them that it would some day be satisfied you shall know all when the time comes he said when taking leave but keep silence until the appointed hour lest you get into trouble this speech being somewhat stagey sounded pleasantly in the ears of the couple and towton left the house with his friend quite satisfied that professor gale and his wife and their servant would say nothing of what had taken place and now said the colonel let us grope our way to the station after we reach town we can see drench vernon agreed and by following the line of houses they finally managed but with some difficulty to get to the railway here they had to wait for a considerable time for a train as the ordinary traffic was somewhat complicated by fog 
it was eight o'clock before they reached waterloo and they learned from the station-master that nothing had been seen of the two men alluded to in the telegram although each train in the barrier of the platform it arrived at had been watched by the police vernon was not surprised at this intelligence i thought both hest and maunders were too clever to risk a wire to waterloo station as they knew i would send it what's to be done now let's go to your rooms and send a telegram to drench at hampstead asking him to come down the fog is still thick said towton as they stepped into a taxi perhaps he won't come hang it every possible obstacle seems to be placed in our way the blackguards will escape not out of england at all events said vernon grimly when we explain everything to drench he will have all the stations and all the ports watched we'll catch them sooner or later but the young man spoke with more confidence than he actually felt as he knew that hest was extraordinarily clever in concealing himself as the spider he had baffled the police for years and being an arch-criminal would be dexterous enough to escape even out of this tight corner he began to consider what was best to be done after sending a wire to inspector drench when his meditations were broken in upon by the colonel do you really believe that hest is the spider of course didn't you see his face change when maunders spoke and didn't he cut and run when he saw that the game was up that certainly looks like guilt and yet it seems incredible the man always has lived in yorkshire whereas the spider is supposed to live in town no one has ever known the whereabouts of the spider said vernon coolly and it is as easy to write blackmailing letters in yorkshire and post them in london as to live in town altogether for that purpose besides his sister told me herself that hest frequently went away for days and weeks at a time doubtless he was attending to his nefarious business in london how do you reconcile this devilry with his philanthropy it seems odd doesn't it but we know that the worst criminals have their good points there lives some soul of good in all things evil you know i rather think said the colonel grimly that hest looks upon himself as a kind of modern robin hood who takes from the rich to give to the poor he blackmailed wealthy folk in order to build his bally reservoir and his confounded schoolhouses robbed peter to pay paul as you might put it robbed devis to help demos is the way he would put it said vernon with a shrug however we have made a great discovery and one which the police will thank us for making when hest is captured many a rich man will sleep easier yes when he is captured but that won't be easy i agree with you the spider is as clever as his father the devil hm added vernon thoughtfully i wonder if his sister knows anything about his infernal doings no said the colonel decidedly i don't like miss hest as i think she is too imperious and masterful and wants her own way too much all the same i don't believe she could have countenanced her brother's behaviour besides she was always away from him and he doubtless carried on his pranks without her knowledge you defend her i thought you didn't like her i admitted only a moment ago that i did not snapped the colonel as the taxi cautiously felt its way up whitehall but i must be just to her the poor woman will suffer as it is when her brother's criminality becomes known it will ruin her reciting business that's true and there is no chance of keeping the matter quiet hest must be captured and imprisoned hanged you mean remember he murdered martin dimsdale vernon shuddered i suppose he did was his reluctant admission i am sorry for miss hest as contrary to your opinion i think highly of her 
she may be masterful as you say but ida is so weak that it is just as well that she should have someone to lead her in the right way oh miss hest has led her in the right way no doubt retorted the colonel but i prefer to be the guide myself see here vernon come down with me next week to my place at bowderstyke what for we have to hunt down hest and maunders we can safely leave that to drench and his underlings i want to get ida away from gerby hall sorry as i am for miss hest in having such a brother i don't want ida to continue under her protection any longer especially as she wants to marry her to maunders maunders will have no chance now said vernon with a grim chuckle but you are a bachelor towton so ida will scarcely be able to come to the grange i shall ask her aunt down as chaperon lady corsoon good and ask lucy also for my sake with great pleasure i think that the removal of maunders from my path and yours will result in the courses of our love running smoother ah here we are and i'm glad as i want drink and victuals after the long cautious creeping through the fog the two gentlemen arrived at the colonel's rooms and bentham was sent out for food having dined they smoked and talked while waiting for inspector drench but he never came a telegram arrived instead stating that the fog prevented his keeping the appointment and it also prevented vernon from getting back to his own quarters so the colonel put him up for the night next day the hunt for the criminals began in earnest before drench arrived which he did at eleven o'clock professor gale came to the athenian club where the gentlemen were waiting and produced a wire which had arrived for hest on that morning he had not opened it being afraid but brought it intact to vernon that young man had no compunction under the circumstances in reading it and found that it was from francis hest to her brother asking him to return home as diverse matters connected with the estate required his attention sent first thing this morning said vernon passing the wire to the colonel poor woman she doesn't know that her brother has been found out the wire was shown to inspector drench when he duly arrived and he was exhaustively informed of all that had taken place he was naturally both astonished and interested but nevertheless expressed himself annoyed that civilians should have proceeded so far without invoking the police drench gave both the colonel and vernon to understand that if he had been on the spot hest and his accomplice would not have escaped so easily a view with which they privately differed although they did not think it wise to say so but towton did intimate to the inspector that he was a military man and not a civilian whatever vernon might be drench declined to take any notice of this remark the inspector also questioned gale closely but could learn nothing from him of any moment since the old actor knew nothing and was greatly agitated over the whole affair finally bidding all three hold their tongues drench sallied forth to search for the missing pair he saw the scotland yard authorities and wired to all the ports and railway stations in the kingdom as yet and because he desired to keep the affair out of the newspapers drench did not advertise in the journals or by handbills otherwise in every way he strove to find the fugitives he might as well have attempted to find a shell at the bottom of the atlantic day after day went by and no news was heard of hest or maunders and from the moment they had been swallowed up by the fog at isleworth nothing had been seen of them they had not so far as could be ascertained passed out of the kingdom and certainly they were not to be found in the kingdom itself like macbeth's witches they had made themselves thin air like the children of korah and dathan 
they apparently had been swallowed up by the earth but thanks to drench the discovery of the identity of the spider and his subsequent escape had not been made public and the press knew nothing of what was taking place but the time had now come when publicity was absolutely necessary there's nothing else for it said drench and vernon in spite of his wish to keep things quiet agreed with him end of chapter sixteen read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california